Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Cinema Files. I'm your host, Steve Pisa, on for a very special episode. Today, we're joined by the great America Young. She has so many credits, it's impossible to rattle them off right now. But from directing to mocap to acting to producing to writing, just to run the entire gamut. America Young. We're going to have Ron Cohen on. Right after her. A producer that works with her as well. We're going to project together. Can't wait to speak to him. Sam McCoy. The writer. We talked about today. Working with American Young as well. Hopefully Jason Momoa will be giving us a call very soon, as well as our very good friend, John Joseph Cross, whose Hercules movie is coming out very soon. Now, if you don't know who Jason Momoa is, Jason Momoa soon will be Aquaman in the, in the Justice League films, but also was Drake in the Game uh, Thrones. Excellent actor, played Conan, to some, the definitive Conan. I hope you're having a great weekend. I apologize for my little scratchy voice. I got a I got a bit of the flu going back into my throat. <laughs> I couldn't miss this show. Want to say hi to Charles Carpenter, who's off today. Must be great to have a day off. Off with his family. Good travel, Charles. Please listen to some music and let's see who we have. Enough of me prattling on. Let's get John Joseph Cross on here. Let's talk a little bit about his new up-and-coming film coming out next week. John Joseph Cross. Good morning, Steve. How you doing, my friend? 
Hey. I'm very well. I'm very excited. Awesome. So your movie's coming out next next Sunday, uh, next Friday. Next Friday, yep, July the 25th uh, in the United States, the United Kingdom, and uh, other regions. But um, in some countries, it's not even coming out until September. But yeah, here it's July the 25th. That is awesome. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. So directed by the great Brad Radner, uh, starring Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Um, one of your friends saw a little clip of the, show, a clip of the movie and, and very much liked it. Uh, are you looking forward to the film? Uh, what's your brain doing right now? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm actually going to the red carpet premiere on uh, July the 23rd, so two days before this, this coming Wednesday. And... Um, just like mind blowing because it's my first uh, red carpet premiere of a Hollywood feature film, so uh, can't wait. And it's such a huge project. I mean, Hercules is such a big movie. Going to comic books, graphic novels, off to movies. Um, people are very much looking forward to this one. They came out with an earlier Hercules film, but nobody saw that movie because they all, they all thought it was this one. So yeah, uh, yeah, people got I, I, right. You've been, yeah. I've been seeing all these pictures of you uh, in front of your your poster. Uh, how does that How does that feel standing in front of your poster? Um, amazing! Like there's yeah, there's posters all over Los Angeles. There's there's one that's on the side of a hotel, which is covers the entire hotel, and uh, just <laughs> to be part of um, uh, an experience like that, um, you know, this is like the the icing on the cake. You know, like Obviously, being on on the set was amazing, but this will be, um, you know, the I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, just the, the sweet cherry on top. Oh, absolutely! Hey, have you got any phone calls from uh, you know, like ancestors and relatives you didn't know or don't care to know <laughs> that are all excited for you, or <laughs> or do people are people in the know that you're in this film? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of uh, a lot of my um, cousins back home in Australia have actually um, have uh, sent me messages on Facebook because uh, I'm not here in the United States, but in in Australia, my my image is being used to promote the the film there on on television commercials, and they're they're all like, oh, we saw you on television the other day, and you know, it's finally happening for you, and we're all excited for you, so. Uh, yeah, and, and there is one cousin that I've never even met that that uh, friend of me on Facebook, and they're like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> how are you and stuff." But <laughs> yeah, people, it's, it's a weird, unique experience. I mean, I guess that's what happens. Yeah, just be just be happy you didn't win the lottery. I mean, this is the lottery, but just be happy you didn't win actually the actual sixty million dollar lottery. You'd be getting cousins oh. from like all around the planet oh yeah 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 but th- that'd be nice too i could make my own movie <laughs> you know i didn't think that one through i'll be honest with you <laughs> i'm like wait a minute that'd be an awesome thing i know right we got to think about this together before we actually make these decisions <laughs> exactly. you got this hercules film coming out and and you're, you're still doing live comedy acts right now at the, at the comedy uh, at the comedy show in in, in uh, hollywood right Oh uh, yeah, the comedy store. Uh, I perform. I perform there about uh, once a month. Um, yeah, that, that's an that's an amazing experience as well. I mean, it's, it's the uh, it's, it's the second most iconic uh, 
comedy club in Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, like a lot of my friends would come and see me perform and they all had a laugh and a giggle and yeah, I enjoyed that experience as, as much as doing action films. But what, what, is, what is your stand-up uh, generally uh, you know, based on? Is, is it based on um, reflection? Is it based on making fun of the audience? Is it based on... What is, it, what is your comedy mostly based on? Um, well, I mean, it, it depends on, on what time of the audience, uh, what time the, I go on. Like, so if I go on for an early show, uh, 7.30, it's, uh, cause I'm a, a white heterosexual male. It's mostly self-deprecation. Um, <laughs> yes. but, uh, <laughs> if I do, if I do a latest show, like around 9.30, uh, it turns very blue. Right. It depends you on how much you've been drinking, right? Yeah, exactly, and what the audience have been drinking. <laughs> so well, we're very so much looking you, forward. To it. Good. No, no sorry. Yeah, so so if you go on later, um, yeah, you you can talk more about you know sex and stuff because they're all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. So what what are you looking forward to the most uh, once Hercules comes out? What are you looking forward to? Um, I, I think well, my parents are flying in from Australia uh, this afternoon, and um, I've been um, given the special opportunity to be able to take both of them along. So to to be able to finally sh- uh, share this experience with them, you know, because they've waited so long as well, and uh, obviously for the two people who created me and gave birth to me and raised me, I'm uh, I'm very happy that. You know, I'm able to do that. Right. That's great. Yeah. So both of your parents actually get to see you being a in a big action film. Now, when this film is done and everybody sees you and everybody loves you and everybody knows John Joseph Cross and everybody wants you to be in their films and be their main characters, what what is your dream project right now that you want to work on after this? If, if you had a a dream project that's in production right now that if they saw you in this movie, what would you want to be in? Uh, man, I, I would love to be either in a science fiction film or a Marvel film. Like the Avengers? Like the Avengers, yeah. But I, awesome. I'd probably want to play a villain. <laughs> oh, really? What kind of villain? Uh, well, I, I think I, I said on the last show I'd, I'd love to uh, perform as... Um, uh, what's what's his name? Uh, uh oh, I can't think of his. <laughs> dark, dark anyway, side? was it Dark Side? Was uh, it no, um, Dark Dark Side's DC? No, 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 no. Yeah, uh, Marvel's uh, Millennium or uh, yeah. Anyway, I think he's something. already been cast. Something, something, something. Yeah. <laughs> Something, something evil with an Australian accent would be fantastic. Well, like I can do well, a U.S. accent or a British accent. <laughs> oh, you can't. Oh, yeah, of course. We yeah. we can't do a, uh, an Australian accent. When Americans try to do an Australian accent, it sounds like we're uh, shrimp on the Barbie or this is not a knife. That seems to be our oh, our, our big. Uh, this is not a knife. <laughs> or you, or you, right? you're always quoting uh, a dingo took my baby. You you all know about that one. <laughs> yes, Dingo Dingo took my baby. You know what they found out? They actually found out that the Dingo took her baby. Did you know that? Mm, 
<laughs> no comment there. <laughs> they, they, act, they actually did the study, and they actually found out um, that, uh, that the dingo actually took her baby. So oh, wow. that was a, that was a, that was kind of sad. I was I was looking back. It was maybe about three three months ago, maybe a year ago, where they came out with that study. I'm like, geez, I bet every Australian yeah. in the world is going crazy right now. <laughs> so we got okay. We we went off subject there. So we got Hercules coming out next week. We got you at the comedy club. You know, thank you for coming on. We wanted to come have you come on for a couple minutes just to recap and and talk to us a little bit about Hercules coming out next week. We're so proud of you. We're so happy for you. We're looking forward to seeing the movie next week. Again, how can we get in contact with you uh, before or after the film? Through Facebook? Uh, yeah, well, you can either um, uh, follow me on Facebook on my fan page, which is John Cross, the actor, uh, or, you, or you can... Uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way to get in contact with me. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, John Joseph Cross, thank you so much for joining us today. and We're looking forward to Hercules... Starring Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, uh, directed by Rhett Ratner, next week, Friday, 39, midnight showing. John Joseph Cross, thank you so much for being on. Have yourself a great weekend, my friend. Thanks again, Steve, and, and you too. Oh, thank you, mate. All right, guys, we're going to take a short little break here, and they're going to bring on the great America Young.
unfortunately, Mr. Mo was having some difficulties uh, logging into our account here and, and getting in there. But, you know, I want to make an announcement for Jason Mo. You know, we, uh, we've been talking for, for a short while here. We've got an event coming up today, a birthday event, a WWE birthday event. So if you come to my Facebook page right now, it's Cinema Files Radio on Facebook. You'll see a link that I have to an event that he's, that he's making right now. It is, uh, it, is a sh- it is for a show slash PvP that's coming today. It's called Battleground from WWE. It will be fun, so come on, and we will get a chance to talk to him as well. So, we get a chance to talk to him as well. That's fantastic. So, I have the, I have the event link right now to my page, as well as Central Files Radio. You can come and see me at stevepisa.com or Steve Pisa on, on Facebook. And then uh, you'll see the event. But uh, if he gives a, a call in, we'll, we'll have him on. Uh, the great Jason Momoa, who is a uh, you know, Drago, Conan, the new Aquaman, which is going to be amazing. We're going to take a one-minute break, and we're going to bring on America Young, the fantastic America Young. This is it's more wicked. joined by the great, great America Young. Hello, America Young. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? Good. The crowd loves you. I'm so blushing from the great, great, great that was preceding my name, so thank you for that. (laughs) No problem. I just got a a text from somebody around now saying I have too many breaks, but we're waiting for Jason Momoa to come on, but we got the great America Young on right now. America, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing so well. Thank you so much. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. I, we just wanted you on the show for a long time. We originally had you on our original radio show, The Inside Dish, and I didn't get a chance yeah. to talk to you then, but I get a chance to talk to you now. Uh, you've been acting, directing, producing, uh, doing mocap. Uh, just let's start off from the beginning. How did you start okay. off with 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 this? With the, with the media thing. I mean, it, we, we want to call it media instead of, you know, cinema, because it's more than that. You're doing more than that. You're writing, producing, directing. It's everything. Um, how did I start? I mean, I, I guess I've always been interested in acting. I did plays when I was a kid. Um, I actually did a couple commercials when I was a kid. Uh, so I, it's something I've always been interested in. Um, I was actually pre-med in um, college and got accepted to medical school and decided not to go <laughs> and moved out wow. here. Um, but the best thing that I ever learned was just, you know, as long as it wasn't a safety-related thing, if somebody asked me if I could do something, I would just say yes and jump in the deep end and learn how to swim really fast. So as long as it wasn't something like, can you ride a horse? You don't lie about stuff like that. But if someone was like, do you know how to produce? I'd say, sure. And then I'd go and talk to everybody I know who is an amazing producer and figure out how to do it. Um, and that has just opened up so many amazing opportunities for me. How do you how do you go to school for and become pre med and then all of a sudden jump into cinema? <laughs> that's, that's <kinda laughs> well, crazy. I did what I thought was the responsible thing, which was be, was 
go along um, a medical profession. And um, but I, it, my heart wasn't in it. I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy the sciences. I still I miss them actually. There'll be days where I'll actually pull out some like my organic chemistry book and flip through it just to remind myself because I like using that part of my brain. But um, I just realized it wasn't something that I thought about all the time. That that what I thought about all the time was telling stories. And um, my father was actually incredibly supportive about it. You know, um, he asked me if this was something that I wanted to do, and I said, Yeah, sure, sure, I want to be a doctor. And he said, You know, unless you want to be a doctor with all your heart, you won't be a good doctor, and you'll be miserable because being a doctor is all encompassing if you're doing it right. And were you, were your family in the medical field as well? Yeah, my, fa- my father's a doctor, and my mom's a nurse, and my brother's a doctor. Ah. So um, <laughs> they, they, they know. <laughs> they know what's in town. Yes. So, um, yes. so I graduated actually super young from school. So um, my dad was like, well, why don't you just go out and try it for a year or two and at least catch up age-wise with everybody else in your class. And then I moved out here, and I expected to be sent home with my tail between my legs, and it never happened. I, you know, there's been hard times. There's been some really uh, soul-crushing times, but um, the right. the good times far outweigh far outweigh the soul-crushing. Well, your your father says try it out for a year or two. Uh, when you go out there for a year or two, and, and I mean L.A. right? Uh, what yes, do you correct. what do you do that first two years? So what, what was your first attempt? Well, I contacted anyone that I knew that might have known somebody who was out here. You know, so my aunt's boss's son was out here, so I contacted him. And I just I just went through and I contacted everybody that I might have known. I had worked on a movie in Nebraska, and I contacted the people that I liked on the movie that, had, that were from here or had moved out here. Um, I just started asking them their opinions about things, what classes to take, where to work, where to live, you know, all of that. I gathered the information, you know, took the ones that made the most sense to me and just started following their advice. And then you start taking classes and you get a job and, you know, little bit by little bit you start to build a life. Um, right. But I so, had moved so around so much. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I, I had moved around so much as a kid that, that, like, starting in a new city didn't really scare me that much. So you moved – why did you move around a lot as a kid? Were you, oh, just were you one an step army ahead of the law. No, no, I decided to oh. keep one step ahead of the law. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tough time. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a dark you, time. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. <laughs> you're so you're out there in LA for two, for two years, and, and it is who you know. It, it is yeah. it is who you can contact. It, it is the people you know from the past. So you contact these people, and they obviously give you some uh, leeway or some head headway of where to go. What do you go next? What do you, what do you do next? <laughs> And what content you are uh, such a good question. It, it it is who you know, and and so many different levels. If I had the only people that I knew out here um, were were selfish, um, superficial people, I probably wouldn't have lasted out here very long because I because that's who you know, and that's who you meet, and then and that that leads to more um, more groups of people who are like that, and I probably would have been miserable and left. But I was lucky that the people I met were just incredible, and in fact. Two of the people that I met are still my closest friends that I've known for years. Um, so I was really lucky that the people that I was put in contact with were just amazing, incredible people. Um, and you just start, you just you just start listening to to what needs to be done and doing it. So 
I remember when I moved out, I found my apartment. I found a job that was flexible working at a coffee shop. I started submitting on, um, on acting jobs. I started taking as many acting classes as I could. At one time, I was in three different classes because each had a different style, and I wanted to learn that. And, um, and then you just start saying yes. Uh, except to porn. Don't say yes to porn unless that's where you want to go in your life. But like if, if you right. know, somebody calls you, especially when you're first out here, if somebody calls you and says, hey, I've got no money, but this is my script and I really love you to be in it, you say yes. You read the script and make sure it's good. And you say yes. And it might end up being awful and, and that person might not know what they're doing. But then you meet the sound guy on that. And that sound guy is actually a remarkable human being who then remembers you for another project or who you just become friends with, if nothing else. Um, and you just start learning the ropes and the only way to learn the ropes is to actually climb them you know or at least swing on them a little so um every opportunity i got offered i took um you know there were a couple auditions where i was like i'm a little uneasy about this one so i would bring a guy friend just to make sure i wasn't walking into some sort of you know trap but i just said yes to everything and quickly started to learn my way around and quickly started to build up a resume and 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 learn the lingo on set because i had grown up in the theater so i didn't know all those things and quickly started to realize what it is i did want to do and what i didn't want to do you know I, i find so many people move out to los angeles with a very specific specific idea of what they think they want because um, they don't know, because they've just watched a couple behind the scenes on some movies, but they've never actually made a movie. Um, and then they get here and they go, oh, this is not what I thought this would be. And then they end up doing something else, which is totally fine. Um, and I didn't know anything about film and television. I just knew theater. So um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things that I didn't know that I would love doing, like directing or writing and, and actually being part of the initial storytelling, you know. So just say yes. Well, I know, I, I know a lot of women, you know, really dislike it when, when people say me as a woman or I as a woman. But I, I would like to ask you as a woman, because I, I know I, I grew up in L.A. And I see a lot of girls, a lot of women coming out to L.A. with sparkly eyes and candid dreams. And, you know, they make left and right decisions and what have you. And I look at you and you've got such a gigantic biblical art of work with you. <laughs> what, make, what, you know, what makes you different? Um, I, uh... what, what is different about you that, that, that push you to this, to this level? I mean, you know, I, I can understand some personal perseverance and what have you, but there's something special about somebody like you. What, what, what is that special thing? And can you put a finger on it? I Thank you for your words. I don't know that I can. Um, the one thing that I can say is, and maybe this is a testament to my, my parents and the way that they raised me, but I didn't realize that there was um, an imbalance in terms of women in the industry until maybe a couple years ago. Um, because in my mind, I just was going to do it, and that's just what happened. And um, I had, you know, amazing female role models, and, 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 you know, it wasn't a question. And ironically enough, I didn't realize that there was this complete imbalance until my friend Jen Fee asked me to come on and help her produce this film that we did called Girls, 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 which was a feature anthology of six short films that were all written, directed, shot, produced, and edited by women. And she came up with the idea because um, she's, you know, the only time that she had ever really been helped in the industry is by her fellow woman, but also because there was such a shortage. I said yes because I was like, sure, that sounds like a great project. And the more I worked on it, the more I started being aware of the numbers. I had been blissfully unaware. And maybe that's the secret. Maybe being blissfully unaware of what my obstacle was is what made me just move on, move forward. 
But, um, right. you know, the fact that there, there are more female filmmakers in Iran than there are in the United States. And the fact that um, if you look at, you know, how many women have leading roles in a movie that's not a romantic comedy um, versus, you know, the, the, the numbers are staggering, and I don't know them well enough to quote them, but I wasn't even aware of it. So I think that would probably be my only thing is that thanks to the, my parents telling me that there was nothing I couldn't do and, and believing it and then coming out here and just being oblivious Maybe maybe that was my. You know, I don't think it, I don't think it's a special skill. I think I was just maybe oblivious to what the obstacles were, and so I just charged through them like like they didn't exist. Um, and and well, now that I'm go ahead, go ahead, sorry, please. now that I'm aware of them, oh. I want I want to change them, and I I want to um I want to just even up the playing field a little. Um, but I, I I will say that I haven't ever come across a situation in which someone has said to me, "No, you're a girl, you can't." That has never happened from a guy or a woman. I've, the, the men are as supportive as the women are in terms of giving opportunities, but there, there, is, there is a, this is how we've always done it, from the mind. That's the only thing that we need to change. But um, all the opportunities I've had have come from men as well. well. What would you say to those women who, who think otherwise? Because, you know, from my mindset, that's what I've seen all of my life in, in, in cinema is men working with women. Like, like Charlie Chaplin, who was one of the first men who ever gave a woman a job as a speaking part in a film. And that's a very right. part, well, a, and, important part. And he was part partnered with Mary Pickford, you know? Like, he, ah. they, they worked together. Um, yeah. and, 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 and I will say that um, at the beginning, it was a lot more even. That's what's interesting yeah. is that I, the, the facts that I'd researched is back when Charlie Chaplin did it, it was more even. It still wasn't 100% even, but it was definitely more even. And then I'm not sure what happened in something in the 50s or something where things got completely out of whack. And I was just reading an article recently about how, like, in the 50s and 60s, it was illegal to show anything in the bedroom, anything sexual. So you had a lot more women as judges and lawyers and doctors because that was the only place you could put them in a movie. And then once they've opened up the bedroom, the women were pushed back into the bedroom in terms of stories. The, the, the imbalance absolutely, absolutely exists. And maybe it's just at the level I'm at, which is not very high. I mean, I work a, a ton in a bunch of different things, but I'm not working in the studio level yet. Maybe that's why I can keep my naive vision on, on things. Um, my friends who work directly in the studios have had that problem. You know, I had a friend who who graduated from AFI as a director, and the other guy that she graduated with a week after graduation had an interview to direct a TV show, an episode of a TV show, and she asked her advisor, oh, great, do I get that interview also? Because we graduated the same class, and in fact, I, was a better, I had better grades. And, he, and her advisor said, oh, no, um, that, that network doesn't have women direct television. What? So, yeah, <laughs> she's actually told that. Or that show, or that showrunner. That showrunner. Yeah, it was huge. He actually said, sorry, that showrunner doesn't believe in female directors. And so <laughs> it, it, abso- it absolutely exists. And, and, and being oblivious to it doesn't help you in that case. And my, my wonderful obliviousness wouldn't help me in that case. Um, so I, 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 I say on, on the level I am, which is mainly indie world right now, there are no boundaries. Right. And, and, you, and that's the cool thing about the digital world is that Anyone can pick up a camera and anyone can make a movie. You know, the downside is that since anyone can pick up a camera and anyone can make a movie, the market is flooded. So you really have to make your mark and really find a way to make yourself stand out. Um, but but it, is, it is empowering, you know, that you can go out and do it, especially on the indie level, really make your mark. Once you get into the studios, I think it is a little tougher because they're – 
they have a lot of money on the line, and they like to stick with what this is how we've always done it, and this is how we've made money. So trying new things can scare them a little bit. But um, Fox just announced an initiative to to increase female directors. They have a whole program they're doing, and more and more the studios are getting behind it. You know. Well, I watch a show like The Killing, and the showrunner is a woman, and the original right. writer of, of, the, of the novel is a woman, and the the lead actress obviously is a woman. It's a and, woman, uh, yeah. And, and I see that show. And, yeah, and I'm I'm obsessed with that show. I'm obsessed. I, I don't understand that mentality of a, a, a director or a, sh- a showrunner does not believe in, in female directors. Female directors. It would break my heart to write a book. I'm a, I, I myself, you know, I write novels. It would break my heart to write a novel about women and have all women shut me down and go, you know right. nothing about women. We're not going to read this book. And that's very much what, what that person is doing. Yeah, that's true. That's, a, that's an excellent analogy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting it is an interesting dilemma, you know, to be in. I was in a meeting recently where I was pitching an idea, and um, I was told that I would have to change the main character. It's a sci-fi thing, and I was told I was going to have to change the main character because um, Europe uh, doesn't like women, and so the main character couldn't be a woman. And we got in a huge discussion about it, and and they 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 backed down a little on what they had said, and basically what they meant was, and this isn't. This isn't about Europe liking women or not liking women. This is about the fact that the number of men who are big enough stars um, to sell right. a movie overseas is like 40, whereas the number of women who are big enough stars who are right for this role to sell a movie overseas is like four. And so right. when you're making, writing a movie with a female lead, you need to keep in mind who's available to play the part that is big enough to sell the movie. And I was really happy to hear that the person – um, the person wasn't happy when they said that comment to me. They were not. They were not rubbing in my right. face. They were. They actually said it with, with, with um, uh, disappointment. Was it remorse. You know, yeah. with remorse. Thank you. That was yeah. the word. Um, and and then they followed it up with, you know, and I understand that that's a self fulfilling thing because the more movies we make with men leads, the more men we have as stars. The less, you know. So so there is there is an awareness happening that I think is amazing. And right. um, you know, and I was able to point out to them first of all. Some of the most iconic sci-fi genre movies have the have women as leads. The ones that that you know, from Aliens to Terminator to, you know, if you're looking looking at horror, <laughs> The Ring to to um, The Exorcist. And then if you look at television, television, um, Once Upon a Time, Gravity, Gravity had only a woman. I mean, George Clooney was in yes. it for five minutes, and and, and she George is a woman in her forties. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And she's a woman in her forties, and she—that was the number one movie of the of the month. Like, you know, there 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 is a shift, and I think that people are super hungry for it. And so, once the people have spoken, then then the studios, I think, will respond. And that's that's another cool, empowering thing is that it's actually on on the people to speak and not go to movies um, or or go to movies that that support what they believe in. You know. Um, so that that's that's the cool thing is that the power actually is in our hands. I think we just don't realize it. I think we we think we just have to go to whatever is out, you know, or whatever has. Oh, by, by look, oh, by looking at your work, I'm looking at all your work. I'm looking at all your work and what have you. I mean, you you pretty much have destroyed whatever barriers come in your way. I have some. I I know some people that are are intensely confident about their IMDb and incredibly, uh, you know 
you know, they, they feel fantastic about their resume. And then look at your resume. You could not fit your resume on a piece of paper. <laughs> You'd have to bring your iPad with you. It would be impossible. You know, well, let me ask you, let me ask you this question. <laughs> There, there, there's some things on there that maybe you don't want on your resume. Like, there's, there's a couple of projects on there that I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> but I learned so much from them that I am proud of them, you know. Well, it's work. You got work done. Yes, it's exactly. Ask, it got work done, mo- and I learned a lot. Yeah, let me ask you about the motion, motion capture work. Because you did a lot of little, little mocap work. and Is that where you met Sean Pacino in mocap? Or? Yeah, it is, actually. It is. Nice. Nice. Talk, now you worked on Star about, Wars. Talk about a remarkable like, human being, by the way. Right. Right. Yeah, he's incredible. I mean, we were, were, were earlier talking about people who are uh, nice and, and not so nice and what have you. You know, that brings me to another question, by the way. Uh, and, and I, I'm sorry, I'm jumping, I'm jumping all over the place, but you're you're bringing up a lot of great subjects that I, that I'd love to discuss. But you know, I I had somebody talk to me the other day and say, you know, and they were young. They're saying, I'm not going to Hollywood to kiss anybody's ass. I'm going to Hollywood to make it big. That's what I'm there for. Right. I'll be nice, but I won't kiss anybody's ass. And, and I found when I was older that that attitude was way different. It was just be nice. You don't yeah. have to kiss anybody's ass. Just, just be nice. And that's the thing about Sean Piccinino. And something that I push very hard about him is that he's a nice guy and a great director. Whereas yeah, he's, I, he's I, I unbelievably know you know talented. But I know you. I know you know this by working with lots of different people. That that's not always the case. Some people are nice and not very skilled, and some people are skilled and not very nice. And some people yep. have a combination of both. And that's that's kind of rare. That it's super rare. It's super rare. And I actually, I like to attribute most of my work not necessarily to the fact that I may may or may not be talented, but to the fact that I'm I'm happy to be there and I'm grateful for the job and. Um, I love what we do so much. I love the storytelling aspect, whatever role I'm playing in it. That and 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 I think it's be- and because of that, people like to have me there. Um, and because right. of that, I might get a job over somebody who's infinitely more talented than I am. I, I've actually there's a few jobs in which someone I know who is ten times more talented than I am. I can say that without without any uh, doubt. But it, they aren't pleasant to have around. And um, they they're 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 unhappy to be there. They complain. They find the problems. They're bitter. They're whatever. And and I'll get called over them because I work my butt off. I have been doing this right. for a while, so I have the experience. But I'm also happy to be there. And I don't care, you know, what you're paying me. If I if I have agreed to do a project, I give it 100%, even if I'm not being paid to be there, because that's why you're that's why you have me there. And I think that that makes such a difference, and I see that in Sean. Um, he's, he's got such an incredible talent. Um, he's, he's, a, he's one of the, the, the type of leaders that doesn't demand to be led. You just follow because he is just a natural leader, um, and he's, he's um, a pleasure to be around all the time. Nice, nice. And once you find Let's the people, you don't want to let them go. You want to you want to continue working with them forever because it is hard to find exactly what you just said. It's really hard to find those people. Oh, I agree with you. And you said exactly what I what I think a lot of times. Whereas people would much rather hold on to people they like and that are around yeah. them than some offshoot, maybe talented person that you might not get along with. I, I find that people yeah. much would much rather be with people they like. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think that that's um that that take, to take it back to what you you said at the beginning, 
Um, it's, yep. uh, it is about who you know. And um, it's not about kissing ass and the kissing the right ass. It's about the fact that you want to work with your friends. And if your friends happen to be talented, you're going to work with them. And, and that's what it is. And so that's why you see people who always work with the same people because they get each other's groove. They, get, they have mutual respect for each other. But they also fun together. And in such a subjective industry that, we, that we're in, it doesn't matter how talented you are. If no one wants to be around you, you're not going to yeah. work. You know, um, and, and so many people burn out so fast because of that. So it, is, it doesn't matter who you know, um, but it also matters who knows you and who you are to them. Right. Well, we, we have your producer on right now. We have your, your writing partner on right now. So we have a, we have a big show ahead of us. Let's get straight into your stunts because that's what I want to talk about right now. Because I see Uncharted 3, Star Wars The Old Republic. You're in John Carter. Uh, yeah. Call of Duty. I mean, Saints Row. I mean, that's that's insane. So, how did you get involved in this, and, and how do you feel about stunt work? I I love stunt work. Um, I I was training in martial arts when I first moved out here, and um, I met a, a coordinator named Lee Whitaker who um, convinced me to audition for a tomb a touring stunt show, um, for for Tomb Raider. And uh, I was a little dubious at first because I didn't have the skills, and I, I do make it a point specifically in stunts that if I don't have the skills, to be really honest, I just knew how to fight. And uh, he took me out, and he worked with me a little bit, and then he's like, yeah, you definitely need to audition. And I ended up booking it, and then on the job, they taught me everything I needed to know, the high fall, slide for life, air rams, firearms, all of that. And then it's just kind of been a steady progression since. Um, I got into motion capture because I was doing stunts on a movie, and the stunt coordinator, Noel Vega, um, told me he, he was casting a video game and I should come and audition. And that was Spider-Man. And I went in and I auditioned, and, and there I found not only my stunt background, but my theater, my theater background came into play. Um, because it's physical, but it's also about acting with your full body, which you don't do much in film and television. You, just, you mainly do that in, in theater. So I got that, and then, um, it, you know, MoCap is such a, a small community right now, um, and everyone's still trying to figure it out. And so, you know, once you get your, 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 your foot in the door and you have your skills and you're fun to be around, then you continue to get the calls. So I worked with a bunch with Activision, and then that started to branch out into other games. And um, so now it's, 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 been a, it's been so much fun. The, the number of games in, in, that I've been in and the, and the characters I've gotten to play, that's the cool thing is getting to play the iconic characters. You know, I got to play Emma Frost. You know, I got to play Mystique. I got to play some just cool characters that I've loved since I was a child. So it's, it's just such a cool world. Motion capture is such an amazing world. That's awesome. That is, so you're still doing motion capture now to this day? Yes. Yes, I still am. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Do you have any I, I projects just, coming up soon? Most recently, the motion capture ones that I worked on, Evolve, I think, just came out. And then I don't think I'm allowed to talk about the other ones that I've worked on, but there's some really great ones coming out soon that I worked on. Feature, um, I just directed my first feature in November, um, and that's who my producer, my writer for Matter, who's going to be coming on the show. It's called The Concessionaires Must Die. And um, right. it's, it's, that just happened in November. And then I've been working actually more stunt-wise on television this year. I've been working a ton on the bridge. Uh, I did uh, Rizzolian Isles this year, Children's Hospital this year. Um, that, this year has been mainly television, which is, which is a fun, different departure. Let's talk about the movie that, you're, that you directed, that's, uh, that the producer and your, your writer's on today about. 
What, what is this movie about and what, what is it called again? The movie is called The Concessionaires Must Die. The website is cmdthemovie.net, so CMD Concessionaires Must Die. Uh, you can see the trailer on the website if you go right now. And um, the movie, which is written by Sam McCoy, who's going to be on the show, is um, about an old movie theater, the, the, the nostalgic old ones that, you know, single screen, that plays the movies from your childhood that you love, whether it's from Charade with, with Cary Grant um, and Audrey Hepburn or it's Star Wars or Willow, and it's being shut down. Um, it's being shut down by the multiplex across the street. And uh, the, the, the quirky employees who, who, live, who work at the theater and who it's their home and it's, it's who they are, it's their identity, they have to fight to keep it open. The confessionals must die. The confessionaires. Confessionaires. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sam, Sam thinks he made you know up the word. <laughs> you know what's sad is I was, con- I was a confessioner at working at the AMC when I was 15 years old. So I actually Oh, were you really? That's really not bad. sad at all. I, I think I think it's a rite of passage for everybody in the industry. Sam was too. He, ba- he based it I'm a lot sure. on his experiences. Really? I- I'm not yeah. sad about working there. I'm, I'm, sad, I'm sad I don't know the name very well. I actually oh, uh, oh. bumped into uh, – <laughs> you know, it's funny. It was, it was in Burbank. It was the AMC in Burbank before they made the big, big move to make it bigger, bigger, bigger. Yeah. And you'd have Hollywood stars coming in all the time. And what's funny is that um, the one huge star right now who's begging for his wife back actually made fun of me wearing a polyester outfit when I was, when I was working at the AMC. So it's, it's interesting so it's when, you, when you look at them in the future and you – you know, I got to I got to tell you when you when you feel the sense of entitlement, especially when you live in LA, you, you you get to see how their lives play out pretty pretty fast because you're a hard worker. You work extremely hard. And some people just land a job or land in a place and and they don't really care about it or they don't really hold on to it that much. You yourself knowing and looking at all the things you're working on and, and the movie that you just finished. How do you how do you feel about you know, the path that you've taken to the point you are right now? I feel really proud of it. Um, I, sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I get a little dejected, especially when I see that um, some people were handed things. Um, but, but I'm really incredibly proud of it because I have, I have found um, a group of people that I know that I want to work with forever, and I wouldn't have found them if I hadn't done it the way I've done it. Um, and I also know that now, like, you know, when everyone was going through the strike and when everyone, and when the studio was going through, the studios were going through their hard times and the economy was dropping, um, I'm, it didn't affect me. <laughs> I, I know this is such a strange analogy, but I'm really proud to consider myself kind of like a cockroach. Um, right. that, that no matter what the situation, I will find a way to survive it because this is what I want and this is what I feel like I should be doing with my life. And so... You know, people were were dropping like flies left and right when the economy hit and the strikes were happening, and everyone, so many people I knew had to move home. And um, but those people who had to move home were people who, when they first got out here, were handed it on a silver platter, so they didn't know what it was like to actually have to struggle. So I, I there are days where I'm so dejected, and I, I do get so frustrated sometimes. Um, uh, and but then but then I realize that when I make it to a place where I'm not constantly having to fight, I will be so grateful and I will appreciate it more than anyone or as much as anyone else who has fought as much as I have. Um, but, but I also will be so proud of what I accomplished because I won't be looking back saying, well, I didn't really accomplish this. 
I can look back on this and be like, yeah, with, with, some, with the help of friends and, and colleagues, I got here, you know. Um, so I am really proud of, I'm really proud of, of, of the, my, the, the path that I've taken. Well, that's fantastic. You know, we want, we want to talk to your producer as well and get more into the film that you directed and, and the, that he produced and then your writer as well. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a, a small little break and then we're going to bring on Ron, the producer of the movie, and we're going to continue yes. our talk. Here we go. Great. I hope you're having a great time with, uh, with America Young. I, I, I see that my reggae was not playing. That's fantastic. Let's play, darn you. There you go. There you go. No play of the dog. Talking to the great America Young today. Fantastic guest. Very positive. Love talking to her. We're going to bring on Ron right now. Hello, Ron. How are you doing, sir? I'm well. I'm well. How are you? Fantastic. So, so you and America have worked together. Uh, you're your producer, and you worked on this film. They're working on the. So, what was the film that you two worked on again? Uh, it's called Compressionaires Must Die. Um, yeah. And I know America kind of gave you the, the storyline of it. Nice. Um, and, and how did you come on to the project? Uh, I had been wanting to work with America for quite a while. We had met previously and tried to work on a couple projects. And then we shot a music video together. Um, I don't know, probably about a year before we shot this. Yeah, that's um, about right. Is that about right? And America was just was just amazing to work with. It was a music video of these former German boy band guys and really talented guys, no idea what they wanted to do, had all these crazy ideas and kind of wanted to shoot a music video about nothing that has soul. So <laughs> America came in and said, you, you can't make a video about nothing. We have to have some sort of storyline. Um, and it was, a, it was just great to watch her work because she was able to kind of steer them towards what it needed to be while also not stepping on their, on their toes and kind of allowing them to feel like they were part of the process, which, which is rare. It's rare to find a filmmaker that can be gracious and talented at the same time, you know? So uh, we did that, well, and then she... Oh, go ahead. Oh, well, you directed The Confessionaries Must Die in Fresno, right? Correct, yes. How, how, was, that, how was that little adventure? Um, Fresno was, was an adventure. We looked at a lot of places to shoot, um, and it, it kept pushing back to Fresno because we found a theater out there for just exorbitantly cheap, um, but it was amazing. It was the Warner Theater, which I think it used to be owned by Warner Brothers, and then someone else took it over and changed the E to an O, and now it's the Warner. Um, and they were just, they were very gracious. They gave us their space. They gave us an amazing rate, which we could afford, and kind of free reign. Um, and, you know, Fresno, you come in with a film, and you're, you're sort of like royalty to an extent. I mean, it's a really interesting place because it's sort of in the middle of nowhere, but then there's a whole community there. Um, right. And they came out. I mean, they gave us all the permits we needed. They gave us all the props we needed. I mean, the community college worked. Um, it, it helped that we found a line producer who was from Fresno. Um, and America will test. I mean, we found, I think we went through three or four line producers, and probably about two to three weeks out, we found a guy in <laughs> yes. on the phone. 
two to three weeks right before production, we went through a few different line producers. And it just, the difference, I think, of shooting in Fresno versus L.A. is that they were happy to have us. Um, LA, is, LA is a little jaded about filmmakers, um, but Fresno was just right. thrilled to have us, and they, you know, we were written up in the Fresno Bee, and you know, we had tons of extras and, and people come out. Um, so it was just a really, actually, wonderful experience shooting up there. You know, there, there's there's an interesting mix of, um, you know, really bad areas, right, and then directly next to it are these gorgeous artist communities where they have sculptures and murals and. So that was an interesting thing when you're driving to work every morning. Yeah, and you, I mean, so unfortunately our other producers, which is uh, Jason Diver and, and Zach, Zachariah Rubin, um, you know, our jobs were mixed between making sure our cast was safe and protected and clean and getting the film done. It was just a fascinating place to shoot. But, I mean, if you can, if you can make your film work there, it's, I mean, we couldn't have done it anywhere else, I don't think. No, we couldn't have. And, and John Hollis, who was our line producer, was the one who was able to really make it work because he, you know, he knew all the people to talk to. And, and he didn't. Well, Ron, let me ask you. And he didn't. You, you, worked, you worked with male directors before, uh, several times before, right? Yeah, I have. Is there a difference with working with a, a woman leader opposed to a male leader in, in, the, in the media industry, in the cinema industry? Um, you know, I, I don't think it's that's an easy question to answer. I mean, the answer is kind of no, because that every single director is very unique. So, yeah. you know, one male director is going to be very different than another male director and one female director. So I, I know that there was a lot of conversation early on about females in the industry, and, and I, I've worked with female producers. I've worked with female, obviously, directors and writers. And, and I think at the end of the day, it's, someone's talented and good at working with other people, that's, you know what I mean, that's the proof in the pudding, whether they're male, female. Um, you know, so I, I'd, know, I'd right? imagine you either, you either suck or you didn't. I mean, that's, that's what I always thought as a child, is that you either suck or you don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter you your gender. Suck, yeah. But it, 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 yeah, and, but, and also, how do you, I mean, I have a friend working on a really large budget feature with the studios and a huge director and you know, what I, what I garnered, garnered from him was, hey, he's amazing at what he does. Sucks to work with, though. You know, and so there's <laughs> the other side of it, you know. So right. It's rare so, to so have. So what are the, what are, go ahead. what's the future with America? What are, you, what, are you guys doing, what are you guys doing next? Or what have you guys done after the confessional uh, that I must die? Uh, well, we will, America and myself, confessionaries. Fucking, you know, it all the way. Uh, America, myself, oh my and another, that's right, I, it took me about a month and a half to get the name right, and I was working on it. <laughs> you know, the, I still don't know I, how I'm to spell you. it, so. The, the flu is not helping me. I, I'm, I'm, like, killing myself. I, I, must, I must have written it on my piece of paper about 50 times now, and I'm like, flu, can you please go, like, a five-minute break? Here, here's the thing, <laughs> is that you probably won't remember it, and then in a week, when, when you feel better, you're going to listen back and go, oh, that was a fun interview. <laughs> This is one of the this is one of the more pleasant conversations I've had in a very long time. This is the one I want to remember. <laughs> so what what is what are the what are the projects that you that you are working on, have worked on, or are going to be working on with America Young after Confessionaires and Uh Well, America, myself, and another writer named Brent Cote are developing a sci-fi feature, um, which we shot a trailer for just after Confessionaires. Um, 
And that's, I think, we're on the first draft, I think, of the yeah. future development. Yeah. So that's a project we're working on a big, on a bigger studio level with Madhouse and Cantina Creative. And, um, it'll take a lot longer, obviously, because it's FI, but uh, that's the main one we have going. We're working on a smaller kind of indie project called Tainted Together as well. Um, and those two are pretty much taking up most of our time right now. Nice. And the trailer you know, for, uh, for the sci-fi should be being released in the next month or so so that everyone can see it. It's called Selection. Selection. And Selection. I know our, our co-producer also did a sci-fi project called At a Time that she's developing. So I think we're oh, all yeah. kind of moving out and coming back. And Nice. Listen, boys and girls, we're, we're hitting the hour mark. We're, 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 hitting, we're hitting our break mark. Boys and girls, we're going to take a small, small break, one-minute break. We'll be right back with America Young and Ron, the producer, for The Confessionaires Must Die. i got to write that down. It, look, All right, it looks on. like uh, Jason's online, too. Fantastic. Hold on one second. We have, we have America and Ron on for a great episode of Cinema Files here. We're just continuing our conversation with them. So, how did you get into producing? That, that, that's, my, my, that's my question here. I mean, a lot, a lot of people get into acting, a lot of people get into directing, a lot of people get into writing. We all know how they kind of get into that production. How do you get into production, and how, how did you come forward to America Young with, with wanting to work with her as well? Um, I, I actually started as an actor as well, like <laughs> a lot of people that come to LA. Um, and I, right. I worked in the theater for, for many, many years. And then uh, a few years ago, I just became a bit disillusioned with the business side of, of acting. Um, not because there's anything wrong with it. It's just that you have to be very aggressive. You know, it is a business. And I just I don't think I could wrap my head around that the way I needed to. And a friend of mine at the time had this great script that had uh, Antonio Banderas attached and Emily Watson. And it was about Fellini. And I just jumped on and... Yeah, ironically, it never got produced. Um, uh, but I just learned really quickly, really fast. And it was, you know, of course, I, I don't know if I had, if I'd been a little less naive, I would have dove in as well as I did because I thought, oh, we have actors, we'll we'll make a film, that's it, we'll be on set in two weeks. 
Um, <laughs> and you quickly learn that's just not how it works. Um, right. So we did that. I ended up uh, working on another project, developing a couple other, and then um, when I met America, we worked, as I mentioned, on, a, on that music video, and we shot a, a short called Wrestling with Parenthood. And then America brought uh, confessionaires to myself and, and our producing partner, Jason, and Zachy, who was the other partner, had already been involved and had kind of helped develop the project. And we all just fell in love with this. This film that kind of encapsulated why we all got into the industry in the first place, which is, you know, great storytelling and the loss of and, and the cherishing of. So it just became a film we all fell in love with and wanted to tell the story. And it took two years, three years, I Yeah, well, it was... Um... I know Zachy, so Zachy, April, and Sam were the first ones who developed it initially, and they had it for, I think, two or three years. And then when I came, by the time that I came on and you came on, um, it was like another two years, I think, a year and a half of, of get on, getting the ball rolling. We should, we should yeah. bring on Sam on to, uh, to have a little conversation with us. Uh, hi, Sam. How are you doing? Oh, oh pretty good. Okay. How are you? Hi, Sam. Hey. Yeah, so so you're the writer. Yep. So did you did you work on this project with did you write the entire project or do you co write it with America and and, and, uh, and Ron or or is this all you? Uh no, I mean I I got brought on uh with uh Zachy and April uh April had kinda we'd been emailing back and forth. I'd worked on uh couple projects with her and uh, uh we started it in 2010 um and did a variety of drafts over the course of a, probably about a year and a half and then america got brought on um i don't know probably late 2011 i'd say if i remember correctly and then um yeah yeah i mean i i it went through a lot of different versions to what we have today um, art is, art uh, is not finished. I, I was, it's abandoned, right? It was. I mean, I I hated the first couple drafts. I really hated it. Um, I just didn't. It it wasn't. It, it wasn't even something I would want to watch uh, the first. <laughs> so, um, but finally, I think we found. I think we found what. Uh, I think we found a nice a nice hook there, especially towards the end. Um, and that's, I, I think that it had, it, it was something a little more unique. Yeah. So. Right. Well, that's what I always liked well, about well, it. I know, I know you said you didn't like the initial draft, Sam, but um, it was always unique. It always had a, a different voice mm. and it always had a different uh, way of approaching the characters. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, writers never love their first draft. So, mm. <laughs> but no. it, it was, no, it was always a special script. And then um, we worked, we worked together to, uh, Sam did the writing, but I, we worked together to, to to find something that everybody was really excited with. Yeah. Oh, America, America, you as a director, when you first saw the script, what, what, what gravitated you towards the script? Um, well, the, the, the first thing that gravitated me towards the script were the people involved. Uh, I, I was, you know, excited to have an opportunity to work with Zachy and April and Sam, um, but but it's, I think Ron summed it up perfectly, just beautifully the way he said it. I I grew up on old movies. I grew up you know without a television and and watching you know Charade and Casablanca and 
you know, and so those old movies and, and then, you know, as you get older, then the Star Wars and, and the things that, that shape you as a, as a person. Like there's the movies that you watch for entertainment and you just eat popcorn and you're like, that was fun, and you forget about them. <clears throat> and then there's the movies that you watch and you go, oh, oh, I'll never be the same. <laughs> My life has just changed forever. Right. And those aren't, and for me, it's not, those aren't movies like um, Saving Private Ryan or these other, they're stunning pieces of cinema, but for me, the movies that change you are the ones that didn't let you know you were being changed because of the way that the story was crafted and told. And um, okay. so when I'm reading a script about a bunch of people who are fighting to keep that type of storytelling alive, the storytelling that is about the story and the characters and not about visual effects and not about um, re- constantly revamping uh, and rebooting the same uh, product over and over again, but actually original people who are taking the risk. I mean, Lucas made, took such a risk with Star Wars, and it changed the world forever, but nobody does that really anymore, especially not with the big budget. They, they tend to go to the safe route. So reading a script in which we pay homage to those movies that, that were so formative to us um, and people who are fighting to keep it open, and the fact that the people who are trying to keep it open are the outsiders. <laughs> was really right. relatable, right. you know, the people who are usually not included in in mainstream. Um, so there was just so many levels to it that I really, really liked. Nice. Ron, Ron you as a producer, when you, when you read the script, well, what was your take on, on the first and last draft? Um, I mean, I think Sam's being a bit modest. Every, every draft is, you know, the, I learned a lesson in college when... Uh, the guy who wrote Angels in America came and he gave us a little speech and his name totally is eluding me right now, which is horrible, but he said, look, I wrote Angels in America in one night and then I spent five years actually writing it. It was such a great lesson as an artist. Like, you know, you know your first draft is, is your outline and Sam had this beautiful outline with these really unique characters. Um, and that existed in the first draft and it existed in the last draft. I think, you know, if anything, America and Sam really worked together on which every story goes through, like, what's the arc of the film and where does he end up and where does he start and how do we get in just a little bit more. Um, but the soul of the script was always there. So um, I think the last draft, it was just just a little level deeper than, than the initial draft, if there was a change. Right. Um, and, and Sam, that, when you... Well, Sam, when you when you when you when you finish the script, you, you, you obviously finish it. When you when you finish the script, yeah. how did you feel it evolved from from A to Z? Well, I mean, at least from my point of view, is particularly from draft one, it, it had way more humor in it. Uh, the first the first draft wasn't wasn't very funny. Um, but as it as it progressed, I think I put in better jokes, that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it, it um, I think it became more of its own. It, it found it found its voice. The, the, at first, the voice wasn't clear. Um, you know, we were trying to. I was trying to you know figure out what what we were really looking at because I just had you know the, the original meeting I had with April and Zachy. It's like I had like a list of five ideas, and I was like, which one would you guys want to do? And uh, not that I had anything really written out on any of them, uh, but when we finally, when they finally were like, "Hey, let's do this movie one," then I I got to got to writing. So, 
And and you had worked in movie theater, right? I mean, I remember a lot of uh, the yeah, funniest I bits had, in uh, the... I had. I had worked uh, in high school. I had worked at a little single-screen theater in Seward, Nebraska, where I grew up. And then in college, I worked at the Art House Theater uh, at, U- at the University of Nebraska, um, the Ross, Mary Ross Media Arts Center, uh, and I worked there all through college, where they show... That's a two-screen theater and just shows indie movies, the yeah. first indie theater in Nebraska. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, unfortunately, like, the big... One of the things that was early on in the script that was completely based off of me being, you know, a, a, a funny anecdote from the time of the theater, uh, actually, uh, at one point, I eliminated. Uh, just got rid of. Um, really? But there are, like, there are, you know, there's certain characters that are definitely based off of real people and stuff, so. Nice. So and you, you, so you <laughs> three enjoy yourself working on this film? And that, that's very important. Just, just to jump back on Sam's thing, I just want to acknowledge the script had all the funny elements, but, I mean, we wouldn't be doing a proper interview if we didn't acknowledge the amazing cast that took Sam's words and brought mm-hmm. their own unique character and style to it. And you'll see it when you see the film. I mean, there's one thing to have a script that's funny and has all the elements and then have these guys that can come and make it their own is a whole other thing, which is yeah. really a test to America and her ability to work you with know. these guys. I really can't find very much information about this film. So please tell, tell me about your cast. Tell, tell, tell me about the cast. Tell me what's going on. Who's in the film? Sure. Um, well, the website is cmdmovie.net. Um, our our uh, lead guy, it's an ensemble, but our, our lead of our ragtag group is played by David Blue, um, who is a series regular on Stargate Universe. And um, he's just kind of a perfect mixture in this movie of like a Jason Siegel Ryan Reynolds, um, kind of wisecracking, smart guy who's been avoiding, you know, growing up. And um, right. his then so he's a then man. we also have yeah he's a, he's a man exactly a man in his twenties. <laughs> I, I like I like to liken the movie a little bit like Empire Records but without the teenage angst. So it's you nice. know it's a similar it's a it's a similar. Um, a similar premise, obviously, but but you know we have our own spin on it, and it's more about it's actually more about finding out who you are in your twenties. Um, sometimes being told you can do anything you want to is is more terrifying and crippling than being told you have to be one thing or the other. Um, right. So we've got David Blue, we've got Talia uh, Tabin, um, who is beautiful and and comedic and wonderful, and most recently was on um, House of Cards and Parks and Rec. Um, we've got Zaki, who is one of our producers and also plays one of our leads, and she plays the theater owner, um, and she does a fantastic job at it. And then um, we've got just a great group of, of, of comedic actors who came in and just kind of played with us. So we've got a David Cooper, who plays our villain, um, and he's just hilarious, and he's got his two sidekicks, Chris Sheets and Michael Seeloff. We've got uh, Cosby Cerny and um, uh, Sarah Sweet, who are, also, who are on the good side. And then, I mean, I think it's a cast of, like, Robert was the final count, something like 70 people. Like, we have just a massive cast. Wow. There, there were definitely times when, um, when we were cursing the fact that we had to shoot this in an old movie theater because that is not an easy location to find, mm-hmm. and that we had such a massive cast but we didn't want to change anything. We didn't want to change the location. We didn't want to change the movie. We didn't want to cut any of the characters that Sam had come up with. Um, we have all these fun right. little side characters. Like we have uh, Sean Parker plays this 
fanny pack guy who's just, you know, I think based on a character that used to come into um, the, the theater for Sam. And there's just so many different people who came in and, and had fun and made the characters their own, too. Nice. And and when when you're directing these seven, you know, it kind of reminds me of Days of Confused when you when you think about how many people were in the film. Uh, that yeah. was a gigantic cast. Yeah. Know. So when 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 you were directing this film and you're reading the script, was there was there any movies that flashed your mind as you're as you're filming this, or were you doing prep work on it? Oh, all of them. They all flashed in my mind. Um, Sam found a great way of incorporating lines from, like, all the classic films in just the normal dialogue. And so as you're going through, I feel like um, we actually had somebody who read the script that said, um, if, you could, if you made a drinking game out of all the awesome movie references in the script, you'd be drunk by – you'd be completely wasted by page 10. Um, so so it's, it's just – it's it's so it's so many movies. It's so many of the movies that that have, like I said, influenced us. Um, that were that were you know completely fans of and we respect. And so um, Empire Records structurally, um, it really it really matches for that. But um, I also tried to make it feel. Um, we actually just had a huge debate on on Facebook over who would be which character in Star Wars and. Um, everyone right. who was involved in this is a huge fan of of all the all the different movies that were in the movie. So it, we always we and we also have homages. I guess I should also uh, talk about that. Um, Sam incorporated a bunch of different scenes in the movie that are told in the style of the movie. Um, so our opening scene is um, an homage to the the death of um, the Waynes from Batman. And then really? we have a scene that's the, yeah, there we have a scene that's shot like Citizen Kane, and we have a, a scene that's shot. I mean, I guess it's basically like Batman meets Fear and Loathing. I, it, it, we have so many oh. different styles of Batman shooting. And and, and, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> we have we have so many different styles of you know of of shooting um, in a bunch of different of the scenes that we that you know. So it's it's a really it's a really fun mix of styles in there. Sam, I have to ask, you know, with all these pop culture references, were you were you inspired by Joss Whedon? I know Joss Whedon is the king of pop culture references. Uh, actually, absolutely not. <laughs> um, I am not. I, I fully admit I'm I'm weird. I I I I can't get into Joss Whedon. Uh, my really? influences, no. No, I can't. Uh, just not. Well, hold on, hold not on. my thing. Don't go anywhere yet. Hold on, don't go anywhere. Explain yeah. to me why. I would um, love to hear your opinion of why. Absolutely. Um, and 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 part of this is, um, I I admit, uh, I like when he rose with with Buffy and stuff. Uh, I'm I'm kind of too young, like. When Buffy would have started, I was in, like, middle school. And I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I'll admit, this is one of the big things for me. So I'm a huge comic reader. And he wrote uh, a run on Astonishing X-Men that everyone just loves. Um, Here's the problem. It came right after Grant Morrison's new X-Men, which is my favorite comic run of all time. So, like, it's just, like, why, especially Morrison's stuff was so new and groundbreaking and just crazy ideas, and it's like, 
Oh, it's just we're doing the same old, same old, you know, Claremont burn rehash stuff. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Just uh, Wheaton's never been. My, I mean, my more influence was was Kevin Smith. Like that's mm-hmm. just. It was more along that. I mean, when I saw, I saw Clerks when I was like ten, because uh, an right. older sister, a friend of mine, was like, "Well, well, Sam likes Star Wars, and they talk about Star Wars, and that, you know, uh, definitely that or and Mallrats, you know, uh, influenced me more than any Joss Whedon stuff because I'm just not much of a fan." I understand. You know, I was. You, so you I was probably, dog, you, saw, you saw Dogma and the whole litany of his films, right? Yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, uh, you know, there's a lot more Clerks and Clerks 2 in this than, than you know, especially, you know, the latter half of Clerks. Definitely there's stuff like that. Um, well, just the listing that, of the robot, Sam. Like, the, 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 yeah. the, at the beginning, there's this epic monologue um, that is just a list of all the coolest robots. Um, from the 80s and 90s that we no longer have. And, I mean, it's just that in of itself. Like, the, the, the writing style, the, the overall story, the yeah. pacing, it, it is definitely more Clerks than, than anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I always saw, I mean, the main character is Scott, played by David. I mean, I always thought he's Randall. I mean, yeah. he's Randall from Clerks. That's always, uh, that was always my, I, that's always what I heard when I wrote it in my head. I always heard, I, I always hold, heard Randall. Um, and, right. yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I come from the age, you know, uh, growing up with v- VHS and stuff where I was, you know, always watching, you know, John Carpenter movies and such, which are, then, then those are also referential to so many different things and John Waters and that kind of stuff, so. Right. Yeah. Good. Well, I love John uh, if, yeah. if you like John Waters and you've ever seen the movie Pecker, it, then the movie's fantastic. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's a weird absolutely. name, but the movie's great. Or the daughter who, yeah. who, with the sister who can't stop eating sugar. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, so when you wrote the, so when you wrote Confession, Errors Must Die, uh, was that your original title, or did you did you pop into that title later on? Um, I, it was. Uh, I admit, uh, I was. Uh, did it did have a title for a long time. Um, and then one day I was just, uh, I was in my room and I think I was going through a bunch of, I don't know if I was arranging comic books or anything, but I was, came up on, uh, Challengers of the Unknown Must Die, uh, which is a Jeff Loeb tin sale book, uh, from the early nineties. And I was like, Hey, you know, and I know they did it after the Pixies album, I think. Um, and I was like, Hey, I like that. We could do concessionaires most day. And, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I think it's amusing. I know at one point we were going to it was going to change um after the 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 Dark Knight Rises shooting in Aurora, Colorado, but Oh yeah. The the change I was against because then all of a sudden it was going to be referential to the Avengers and there isn't any sort of referencing to the Avengers in the movies, so I thought that'd be really weird. So I'm glad we we kept the title. Um Right, but yeah, because it's it's over the top. That's the best part. And, and, that's, and it just makes yeah. sense. It makes sense for the over dramatic. It, it's such an there's certain points in the movie that are just basic life to life moments, but the way the characters treat them is though it's the most dramatic thing in the world, and yeah. they are living in their own comic book. So it's just it's just a perfect title for it. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the fact awesome. that um, I, I I still don't know if I know how to spell concessionaires, but you know we'll work on that. Yeah. 
And as we're talking about the script, the, the one thing I just want to make sure we give a shout-out to, um, John Keating, who played um, the character of John in the movie, was also um, really, really helpful in terms of um, helping us find that structure and helping us narrow down on the voice. Um, of it, and so he he was he was really helpful. He he came on, and um, it, it was it's just been an amazing collaborative effort, you know, um, which has just been really cool. That's great. So you found that a lot of people came out to your aid for filming this movie. Yeah, and and the people who were involved went above and beyond. Um, you know, uh, John was hired as as an actor and and stepped up to and it would help in any way. I mean, he even when he wasn't scheduled to to shoot that day, he would still show up on set and just like keep the keep the morale up and um and you know keep people cheerful and having fun. And I, I found that everyone who was involved did that. Everyone who um, they'd be hired for one job and they'd end up doing you know, a bunch of other jobs just, just because they were excited and they wanted to be involved and um, because they were wonderful human beings. Um, so it was, it was just an incredible experience. I think, I think everyone just really um, believed in the team and the material, um, which is a great feeling. I'm trying to get a Ron. Ron, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, Ron, uh, my, my question that I've been trying to get to you is, as we're talking to both Sam and, and America, you as a producer, where do you where do you fit into this picture? Are are you more like the second in command? Uh, how does how does your structure work in the um, the playing field of making a movie? Um, well, again, not not to keep deferring to the other people involved, but it wouldn't just be me. But to to break down, you know, America and Sam have a script. They brought it to myself. Sure. Um, actually, and Zachariah was already on the project. So then it falls upon me, Zachy, our other producer, Jason, and then John Hollis, who became our line producer, to kind of help put all these elements together. So we're, I don't even know how you, we're kind of sort of the managers of just watching, making sure that the line producer, I mean, the uh, costume has what she needs and she's communicating with America, and America has what she needs and she's communicating with sound or gaffer. I mean, our job is more just to make sure that Every crisis that comes up throughout the day goes through. I mean, so I just it's just hard to put it. In, do, you, do you ever find yourself stepping in the way of uh, of the director? Do you ever do you ever have, sure. to, have to actually say something, or how, how do you feel about that? The, the, I mean, the, the good thing about working with America and the team in general is we had a mutual respect for each other. So if there was something on set that. I had a question about it. it was just that it was a question it was never like well I know because I trust my team implicitly so and America is so confident in her ability and Sam's script was so solid that I could simply say hey you know what about this moment or Jason or Zachy or, or even John would sometimes come back and say you know did we capture this the way we need and it would really just be a discussion amongst the team and the ultimate goal was always are we getting the best product which was great the great, and I know, I, and, I think, I think it might seem as though we're trying to make this a little too Pollyanna, but I, I've worked on a bunch of different projects, and I've never had a, a, a synchronicity that we've had on this project. Um, Ron has amazing; he gets, he gets the, the, the everything done that he needs to get done, and then he has no ego. So while he is one of the top producers, above the line people, he's also willing to go grab coffee if somebody needs a coffee or. 
so but but then at the same time he's got an amazing eye for story and moments and subtlety and so there were so many times throughout the day when he would lean over to me and be like you know maybe if we just hold on this one more beat it'll really come through and he would be right and even going through post right now the notes he sends me are just so great you know and it's so nice to have somebody that um, who I respect so greatly, who is so capable in so many different ways. And, and it, it, all my producers were like that. All my producers had no ego. You know, I remember the first day we were short a crew member, and Jason, one of our other producers, was just he was, he was basically acting as a human sea stand holding a flag. No ego at all. <laughs> Zachy, um, Zachy would, she would just do whatever would need it to be done. Um, and, and that's how everybody was. And it was just a wonderful experience. You know, um, we had long days and nobody complained, or at least if they did, the producer shielded me from that. And, um, you know, we were, we were staying in a hotel that was less than ideal and, and nobody complained. They just made jokes and had fun with it. And so it was actually a pretty incredible experience overall. Nice. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're hitting the end run of our show, unfortunately. Uh, I, I want to recap on a couple of things here. Uh, I want to go, go back to Sam. Sam, any positive notes you can give to any future writers and writers in the process right now of writing scripts or books on how to go forward with their projects or, or things to think as they're writing? Um, hmm. that, that, that's a lot. Uh, I'll try to answer it as best as I can. Um, just stay with it. I mean, this was a long, I mean, it was a long journey to get this thing out and just, you know, there were a couple times when I, I mean, I honestly thought, you know, to kind of, you know, reveal some things here. Like the, I thought it was going to fall, especially, um, you know, at one point, cause I was living out in LA and then I actually, I actually moved away at one point. Um, uh, my father had passed away and I went back to live close to my mom and stuff. And that was kind of when we, when America got brought on and it was kind of moving forward and I kind of thought that was going to kill the project because um, we were just kind of getting started back up, going full bore, um, and and then it didn't. Um, and, you know, you can still do things long distance and stuff and, and just kind of keep at it and uh, just try to meet people like-minded that have the same goals as you is a good thing. And And one thing I always say... Uh, to a lot of writers, especially friends of mine who want to try to write and stuff like that, is is you know the most important thing is always to get to get an actual draft out. You know, I see yeah. too many people too many people screwing around with uh, you know a wall full of uh, note cards and asking how many pages they have, and it's like three, and they've been stuck on three for three years, and it's just like you got to actually. You actually have to do it at some point, you know. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. uh, being a writer isn't arranging note cards on a board. It's like I don't even I don't even do any of that stuff. I just, you know, and hey, if 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 if, if it doesn't work out, you know, that's why you do multiple drafts. You know, I don't know. Right. How could how can we find you, Sam? Sam Cohen. If we want to find you today. We want we want to, we want to find a writer. How how do we find you? Uh, I mean, uh, Facebook is definitely a good, good way. Just Sam McCoy, and then uh, you know, CactusSam at Hotmail dot com. Uh, I currently uh, am living back in Nebraska. Actually, I'm in currently in LA, just on a, going down to Comic Con next week and such. Uh, work for an art studio in Lincoln, and uh, but yeah, I'm I'm always open for stuff. I have a couple projects I'm working on right now, um, so 
No. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully you got enough. I just your name's self-published. Your name's perfect for a script. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm always McCoy, the real uh, McCoy. Yep, for sure. <laughs> so we can find you on Facebook. We find you on IMDb, IMDb, and, and that kind of thing I, as well. I am. I have three different profiles on IMDb. Um, when I first, uh, when I was out in LA, I, I mainly worked in post production. That's where I would make money at uh, doing uh, assistant editing and stuff. Uh, right. So uh, there are three different IMDb pages for me. Uh, I need to somehow get those consolidated down into one. But uh, yeah, for sure. Um, Good. And then I also have well, I, I have my own podcast that's on Blog Talk called uh, In Coots with Sam and Chris. So listen to that too. Nice. Wait, what is the show about? Uh, it's about you know what we try to do. It's it's way more comedy based, and it is uh, we try to do comics, movies, video games, and uh, mainly because my host we seem to go back to pro wrestling and uh, boobs an awful lot. So uh, <laughs> it's trying to be comedy based. So it's just trying to. Try to you mean, you, mean, you, mean video ga- you mean video games and uh, comic books? Whenever I think of video games and comic books, I always think of boobies. So yeah. that's, that's a childhood thing. All right, well, so, thank you so much, Sam, for being on today. You know, absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time out. We really look forward to seeing the confessionaires must die. Sam, thank you very hey, much for joining you. us today. We're going to be talking to Ron in America a little bit longer before we close out. We're going to take a short little break here and take a couple questions in from some listeners. So please listen to some music and hang on a bit.
Boy, they have the great America Young on. Ron, the producer. Ron, Ron, we we want to close up here. Um, Ron, what what have you worked on before this this project here? I, we didn't we didn't talk a lot about that. What were the first projects you worked on? Uh, I worked on a film probably about a year before, or maybe two years actually, before we did this, called Bronx Bowl, which is a story of Jake Lamata, which obviously they made Raging Bull about. Um, mm-hmm. But they, uh, Jake had written a book, it was actually called The Bronx Bowl, uh, about his life kind of before and after he, he fought. So I worked with a writer-director named Martin Gigi and actually another amazing female producer named Dahlia, Dahlia Wengort. Um and it's just pretty amazing. When Jake came out, he was on set for the whole time, or for a portion of it anyway. Uh, right. And then I also worked in the commercial and industry producing national spots. Really? Yeah, well, so awesome. I, I kind of jumped you know, back for it. Yeah. If we, if we want to find you, how can we find you, Ron? Obviously, Facebook, right? Uh, Facebook or IMDb. So um, what do we look through through IMDb? I mean, there's got to uh, be a lot of Robs in there. Uh, Ron Eli Cohen. If you look uh, up Ron Eli, Eli oh. Cohen, uh, look at that. My, uh, All right, you're speaking hallelujah first pretty soon. My Israeli uh, folks would be proud. <laughs> 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 yeah, my, my, my cousin's name is Khan, so he always gets pissed off when I call him Cohen. Uh, well. So we can find you on... <laughs> we can find you. We can find you on IMDb. We can find you on Facebook. We can friend you today. We can also find you the connections with this movie as well, right? The Confessionaires. Yeah, I mean, if if you want to find me, look, look on the set of an America Young film. I'm somewhere. <laughs> if I'm lucky. If I'm lucky, I'll have Ron with me forever. <laughs> and, and 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 if if we wanted to be if somebody wanted to be a producer and they came out to LA and they said listen I don't want to be I don't want to be an actor I don't want to be a director I don't want to be any of these I want to be I want to be a producer but what would be some advice that you would give these people? Um, I think it's twofold. America kind of mentioned it earlier in the interview is do it just work whatever you can jump on jump on whatever position it is. Um, I think you learn the most by being on set and working with a good team. You know, as America said, you're going to work in some really horrible films, some amazing films, whether they're shorts or features, or, but you learn from every single one of them. Um, right. And then, I mean, the other good advice, which I never had, you know, given to me, which would have been great, was find someone who's work you admire and try to work for them. You know? Right. Uh, right. You know, so one thing when I started was I was willing to make a cup of coffee and go run anywhere as long as I could be around, you know, someone making a project. So. You know, what I hear from America, you know, what I'm hearing from her voice and what she's saying is that no matter no matter what your position is, you work very hard in all the positions that you work in. Do you find that that's important for a person who's in production is to have your fingers in all the uh, all the pies as you may? I find it's essential. I mean, uh, just from our movie, for example, R.A.D., who was just tireless and amazing, and he said to us one day on set, because we had a very tight budget and it was a tough shoot and... But our crew was amazing. They would work tirelessly throughout the week. And one of the things that you know, he had mentioned, which was great, is any one of the producers would be picking up a light just as quickly as one of the gaffers. And it created this kind of environment on set. It was like there was no hierarchy. We were here to work together. We were here to make a film together. And I think you have, especially in independent filmmaking, you have to have that. Because it's, 
you're against these amazing challenges, and the only way you're going to make a great product is if you're all in it together. And you know what? That's probably on a bigger film as well, but I, on the level that we're working on, that's my experience. Right. So I would say, yeah. Right. And what was your experience working with America Young in working on this film? And also working nope, on future No products. pressure, Ron, but I'm listening. I'm right here. Zero, Wait, zero pressure, you? but tell, you, tell us exactly how you feel. Tell, no, you, no pressure. No pressure. No, oh, I none. Think you guys are, none. You're, you're, cut, you're cutting out. I can't hear. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. That worked, I thought it worked uh, in the 60s. That was worth a try. Um, no, I mean, I, I, America said it earlier. You do find the people you want to work with. Um, and I'm very much yeah. built that way. So I, I wouldn't be on this interview if it wasn't an amazing experience. Um, you yeah. know, she really has the ability to be talented and gracious, but also she knows what she wants, and yet she'll still work with everyone to take in their ideas. And that, to me, is a sign of a really you know, promising and phenomenal director. Um, so yeah. I have nothing but good things to say. And as America said, I don't mean to make it sound Pollyanna, but it really was. I mean, it really was a really amazing experience. And it was tough because we had a budget and we had to stay within it and it was long hours, but it was, I would do it again in a heartbeat. So. That's nice. Ron, Ron Cohen, it was, it, was a, it was a pleasure talking to you. We're very, very much looking forward to your future projects as well as the project you worked on with America Young. Uh, Ron Cohen, you can find him on IMDb. Uh, he has three different ones, but I'm sure you can find his. Uh, also find him on Facebook, obviously. Uh, Ron Cohen, thank you very much for being on the show. Have yourself a great weekend. Huh? You too. Thanks so much. Thank you, sir. So, America, we're, we're, we're talking about the confessionaires must die here. Uh, wh- what did you work on after this? This is a project you worked on about a year ago, right? Yeah, I worked, it was November. Um, and then immediately after is when we shot um, a, a proof of concept for a feature film that um, I am writing with Brent Cote, and Ron actually helped produce it. And the trailer for that um, should be coming out soon, but we, we uh, made that in conjunction with Madhouse Entertainment and Cantina Creative. And Cantina Creative is known for all the visual effects for um, the Hunger Games movies and, and all the Marvel movies, and they're an incredible incredible house and the fact that we got to work with them is amazing so there's we've been working on that and um we're we're, we're still working our way through post for concessionaires um so that's you know when you're dealing with a very limited budget uh it take things take a little bit longer since you can't just pay people to hurry up and finish stuff so we're working on that and then i've also been working with um henry sane who's the director of bounty killer which is now on netflix and i met him because i was doing stunts on his movie and he's just amazing and um where we have a show that we're developing a tv show that we're developing and it's just fun there's a lot of things in development um and so then you have you you know the day job of working on the tv shows and um the video games which i love doing and then there's the 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 developing of shows you know for the the other other half of your brain right (laughs) and then is there anything else after that um, yes, but I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to actually say. Um, so uh, I tried. I, I tried. I know. I know. And I, it's so frustrating because it's always the most exciting stuff is the stuff you're absolutely not allowed to talk about. Um, but <laughs> but we can say that I. I, I the, I'm sorry. 
the, the video games are coming out right, with right now, and they're coming out soon. You, you just can't talk about those things. I mean, you, you'd never get another job in those, that industry again. Yeah, absolutely, and that, and that's what that's what can get you in trouble. So um, we can say that I vaguely mentioned uh, something I had worked on, and then when it comes out, you can say that you got the scoop because I vaguely mentioned it on your show first. How about that? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I also I want to make sure that um, that I, I also mention about concessionaires uh, that you know our crew was amazing, but I um, my DP was unbelievable. He, he the things he was able to pull off with the budget and the gear that we gave him was um, amazing. So thank you to George and then uh, Ron already mentioned our first AD, but I, it's just hard because you want to give credit where credit to everybody, but I don't think the show is long enough for me to say thanks to everybody. <laughs> well, you can post it on you can post it on the website as well, and we would love to have you on another time. I mean, right now we had you producing your rider on as well. Uh, we would have had a fourth person on there as well if, if I, I wasn't feeling so sick. Uh, that would be fantastic, but uh, it was yeah, uh, that was pretty intense. Yeah, you, well, I think you, you're right, America. You, you juggled us brilliantly. <laughs> Thank you. I think it was my uh, my my flu my flu stumble that that kind of helped out a bit. <laughs> you know, the flu gave you superpowers. You didn't know you had. Right now, Mary, I, I told you that I, that I, that I have been teaching for a very long time now, and, and I do teach women. My my issue a lot of times with girls and women. It, national studies on girls going like grade school to high school. Girls are using the first row in grade school and the last rows in high school. And one of the reasons why is boys become more boisterous, more physical louder. So girls have a tendency to go into the back rows in, in high school. That's, that's the national school standard and what have you. What, what can you say to girls that can just smash that mirror in half? That, I, that, think, you know, this, I think it's, it, it's tough if you don't have a strong role model in your life that's female or if you don't see it on the media. And right now you don't really see it in the media. Um, so my what I would say to them is um, have the courage to 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 break ground and be the first ones, and you'll see that um, you'll find that while you think that you're going to get made fun of, and while you think that you're going to get picked on, actually the the guys are very supportive and and actually encourage it, and um, don't don't most of the time we're doing it to ourselves. Most of the time we're the ones not 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 sitting at the front and taking the front seat. We're, we're, it's a lot of the times it's something that we do to ourselves because we're afraid that we're going to step on someone's toes or we're afraid that we're going to get um, scolded or made fun of. Um, but, but I have a, a friend that I know, and she's one of the bravest people I know because her her goal she she like basically just she her 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 slogan is well so they say no. <laughs> and that's it. And and because of it, right. she's a, achieved such incredible things in her career. Um, she's broken all kinds of records. She's you know the youngest in her position, and and I think that that's the best thing is that I think women are so afraid of hearing no that they don't even try. And don't be afraid of it. It doesn't actually hurt. It actually makes you stronger. And if they say no, okay, great. Then you know your answer. But don't assume that the answer is no. And I think so many women assume the answer is going to be no, or they wait for permission. Don't wait for permission. It won't come. Permission will not come. Chances are nobody's going to look into a huge crowd of people and go, hey, you there in the back. 
if they're going to pick someone, they're going to pick someone in the front with their hand waving wildly. And you need to be up front with your hand waving wildly. You have actually so much control over what happens in your life if you just stand in the front and wave your hand wildly, you know. Um, so that's what, that's what I would say is, is don't, don't wait for permission. Um, don't break the law, but don't wait for permission. Um, because you, you, you're never going to get it. You know, you, 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 chances are you will never get permission. So you, you do what you want and wait for them to say no. Well, you, you, you see the way that the normal and standard Hollywood procedure works and how people, you know, they go out to L.A., they become waiters or waitresses, they go on to the first acting gig. Sometimes they make it big first off. Sometimes they make it big in the long run. Is there a different way to approach the subject matter? Is there is there a new way to go into the film industry without having to go through the old joke or anecdote? Um, you know, it, it's 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 exhilarating and terrifying the fact that the film industry there's no um, there's no pattern or formula to it. Um, especially coming from someone with a strong science background, there's no math. You know, like if you if you want to be a doctor, you go to college, you do your pre med, you take the MCATs, you get accepted to medical school, you do residency. Like there's a there's a very clear mathematical equation that happens, right? And in this industry, this there isn't. Um, waiting tables is 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 the cliche because it's such a great job to have that or bartending because it's flexible. Um, you can make you know money on tips and um, you, that gives you room to audition. So that you know the stereotype right. does exist for a reason. The, the the people that I've seen who seem to do really well um, are are people who have other skills that like so people who do like web design for example um, I've seen more and more people doing that because that's something you can do from home you can do on your own hours you can do at midnight um, or whatever you need to do to meet to meet your deadline but then that gives you the flexibility to still do auditions um, the uh, you know so different skills like that actually have I've seen people doing really well with that. But I think the main thing, and this applies to the same thing as I would say to the little girl sitting in the back room, is no one's going to hire you if they don't see you working. If they if they see you as a waitress, chances are they will just remember you as a waitress. People tend to remember you the way they first met you. So I have people who, you know, I've, I've done AD work on just a couple of projects. I like it, but I don't think it's my strong suit. But I have people that I met doing AD work who still think, oh, America, the AD. Which is fine. I don't mind, um, except that I don't, like I said, I don't feel like that's one of my strongest skills. So if all you're doing is waiting tables, then um, then people who meet you are going to be like, oh, so and so the waitress. Um, right. And 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 it's so it's so it's important that if you're waiting tables, great. That's awesome. You need to do something to to stay aboard, and it's a great interactive experience. But um, also make sure you're making your own stuff. Also make sure you're building your own brand, whether you're doing theater or whether you're recording your own shorts and, and using your time um, to to uh, to make stuff so people can see you in another way. Uh, another great job, like great job, is to work at the theme park um, because the pay is actually, really? I think, better than you get waiting tables. Oh, yeah, especially if, like I did the stunt shows. Um, the pay is great. And it's easy to get somebody to take your job in like an out with an hour warning, um, and you still get to perform and you still get to have fun, um, and it's a, that's a pretty great community, you know, of people who work at work at the parks, um, and that's so excellent. that's actually that's a really fun it's a really fun job whether you're working at um, Universal or uh, Six Flags or um, Disney or whatever ones are near where you work. 
I know a lot of people who work yeah. there, and, and really, they enjoy their job. It's really fun. You have that interaction with an audience, but then you also are getting paid pretty well. So right. that's another option. Yeah, we're, but we're, I, I think the only real thing is just to continue to make stuff and get people to get get people to know you as somebody who gets stuff done and who is always doing something. You know, I think that's very very valuable. Let me let me ask you a question. Are you, we're running out of time so fast. I just want to ask you so many more questions. I'm I'm gonna stop on this one here. You know, I was I was I was watching Hell's Kitchen the other day. I, I love that show. I, I don't know why, but I do. And there's, there's <laughs> one there's one chef on there. Her name was Rachel. I really I really dug her a lot. What was interesting was when she was around everybody who was cooking, men and women, and she started mentioning family and wanting a family, wanting children, what have you. Everybody, and I'm talking everybody, men and women, both, looked at her with a sense of, you don't want to be here, or uh, we want this more than you, or uh, you, you must not want this if you want that. Do you find that to be the case as well in, in the Hollywood media or, or, or cinema, that that is the attitude as well? Because that was kind of an off-kilter attitude to me, that somebody would damage somebody else's mindset because they wanted a family and friends and children and I think you can have all of them but what are, what are your thoughts I, on that? I, I, def- I definitely think you can all of them there is the assumption that it's kind of all or nothing um, and but I do find that it's also weighted more towards um, women uh, is that being all or nothing um, I think it's believed that a man could have a baby or have a family and still focus on his career I think there's an assumption right. I think just in what I have witnessed and experienced that the assumption is, is that a woman has a baby and still strives to have her own career, that she's not being as good of a mother as she could be. Um, right. and, and especially in something like the, the, the media arts where you're not on a regular schedule. You know, um, Gwyneth Paltrow just recently came out and said an article about how, um, you know, it's really hard to be a mother and an actress and, you know, whatever. And she got just lambasted because, you know, she could afford 13 nannies or whatever. But I, 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 right. I think what she was actually trying to say is when you have a nine-to-five, you know how to fit your child into your life or vice versa. You know how to fit your, your, your nine-to-five in with your child and you know how to schedule it all and you know how to make it work so that you know where your priorities are. But when you're dealing with a job that isn't a nine-to-five, that you're, you know, you're away for months at a time and you're working all nights for a month and then you're working all days for a month and then your just schedule is all crazy and you don't want to do that to your child because you know, kids, it's really important for them to have a schedule right off the bat. I can understand how that would make it really, really hard to be a parent, no matter how many nannies you have. Right. Because ideally, you want to spend that time with your kids. You don't want your nanny to spend that time with your kids. And so I, I do think it's hard in this industry um, to have a baby, uh, to to give the baby what it needs to be healthy and and and, and secure and know that its parent its parent loves it, um, but still and know that you're going to be able to be there for the soccer games and be there for the plays when you when you might have just worked a 24 hour day and would, that you expected to be a one hour day and that you thought you were going to make it and you're not. So I, I do think it's hard, and I and I don't know about chefs, I don't know about their schedules, but I there is the under there is an assumption, um, which I think is very false, but there is the assumption that once a woman has a baby in this industry, you're not going to really hear from her again. 
Um, and I think it's a very false. I know I know a few people who've had kids who continue to to be involved. Um, Zachy, my producer, has had a kid, and she's still as involved in the industry as as ever before. Um, Michelle Lang, a, a producer actress that I've worked with before, had a baby, and she's hustling nonstop the entire time. And but there is that assumption. So yes, I can understand. I can believe, not understand, but I can believe that that woman would have gotten that look for saying that. And it makes me really sad. It does. It's, it's a very ridiculous comment, and I, I really don't think it's true at all. Um, well, you know, thank you very much for talking to us, America. We, 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 this was such a pleasurable conversation. How, how can we find you? I mean, I know how to find you, but how, how can the general <laughs> audience here on Turn Radio find you? Uh, you? You have so many things you're working on right now. What should we focus on? Well, the best way to find me, um, I, I do Facebook, but not that much. So the, um, and I'm actually trying to phase it out a little bit. So the best way to find me is on Twitter. I will update everyone on anything that I'm doing on Twitter. Um, and my Twitter handle is at America underscore Young. Um, and then my website, which I'm really bad at updating, but that usually has links and stuff, is just AmericaYoung.com. Um, those are the best ways to reach me. I'm also on Instagram with the same uh, handle as Twitter. Um, and, and, I'm, and, I, and I'll constantly update people on what's going on. I'd like to put a plug in for um, – I'm on a panel at Comic-Con this year that I'm particularly excited about, Part and I think it speaks – Yes, that's it. Thank you. It speaks exactly to what we've been talking about, but it's Spark Your Creativity, and it's um, put together by Heidi Cox and Stephanie Pressman, and it's about um, encouraging and inspiring women to make their own content, um, which is stand up in front and wave your hands and don't wait for permission. And I think it's a wonderful panel. I I love that Comic-Con approved it and sees it as a worthwhile panel for us to do. So I'm excited about that. and then uh, the Chimera Project, which is based on Girls, 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 um, the website is up. Uh, we're still working at some kinks, but it's girlsthefilm.com. And the Chimera Project is a, a nonprofit organization that I founded with uh, director Shauna Betts and um, our historian uh, Cheryl Bookout. And what we're doing, like we did with Girls, 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 is we're finding um, – uh, female filmmakers, giving them a grant to make a short film, and then we're going to compile it into a feature and, and distribute it to, to give women an opportunity um, and also the exposure that they deserve um, to work in film. So we're going to be accepting um, applications probably in September, so check out the website, and, um, and we'll keep you posted in terms of when you can actually submit. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today, America Young. America thank Young. Thank you so much, Steve. This was wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. You know, you're such a pleasurable person. We're looking so forward to this. Uh, you, the, the panel on Comic-Con is something I actually want to go to. I'll be honest with you. Oh, please. It's, uh, please come. And we have lots of really fun giveaways, too. So, July 26th at Comic-Con, Spark Your Creativity, a call to action. Ladies unite to create more female-driven content. Uh, starting Saturday from 1 to 2 in room 23. A 23 ABC. That's what Perfect. I Perfect. Thank you. Good. Cool. Cool. America, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And, and thank you for putting up with my sickness. I appreciate that too. Well, no problem. Thanks for, for muscling through and, and having us on. We're so much looking forward to your career. Thank you, America Young. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Steve. You too. That was a great America Young. We're going to welcome on Sean Pacino onto the show right here. Sean Pacino. Hey, how's it going? Hey. You just missed America Young right there. How are you doing? 
Yeah, so I've, I've known America for many years and worked on several projects with her. She's an amazing uh, human being all around, obviously a fantastic filmmaker and uh, supporting the great causes she supports. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of America, uh, and I always, you know, uh, champion her to anybody that I meet. Yes. <laughs> I mean, when, when you look at her products and you look at her work, she's definitely a woman you compare other women to. It's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, she's she's amazing. I mean, she's obviously got a brilliant mind, and, and she's very strong, uh, but very sweet uh, woman. And when you speak with her, she's just so kind and so nice, and yet then we'll be on set at 2.30 a.m., uh, in the in Michigan, and she's jumping through a four-story window uh, in all in prosthetics and uh, being an amazing stuntwoman. So she's just she does it all. It's pretty uh, incredible. Well, Sean, you you have sixty seconds. So you have a message from Jason Momoa. Uh, uh, uh no, I don't have a message. But uh, he was, he was, a little he bit was earlier. trying to reach. He was trying to reach the show, right? Uh, yes, he was uh, trying to to call in, I believe, and uh, uh, but maybe next time we'll you obviously should have him on as a guest. Everybody, go to the Cinephiles uh, Facebook site. You'll be able to find Jason Momoa's event for today. Uh, thank you, Sean Piccinino, for being on. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Have a great weekend, bud. All right, thank you. Bye. That was kind of short because we got thirty seconds left. Uh, Jason Momoa has been trying to give us a call here. He's got an event today. Please check out Cinema Files Radio on Facebook and see the event. Please go to the event. Uh, Jason Momoa will be the new, uh, uh, new Aquaman. Thank you very much for America Young for being part of our show today. Thank you very much to uh, Ron Cohen. Thank you very much to Real McCoy. We really, really, really very much enjoy your, uh, your, your presence. Rob Cohen, Sam McCoy, America Young, thank you very much. Have yourself a great weekend.